myself. Welcome back to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour for the big show. In my mind, all of my podcasts are big, but this is huge because I have the successful head basketball coach at St. Edward High School, Eric Flannery. Before we get into the podcast, thank you so much for continuing to listen to my podcast. And remember, follow us on social media. The Chris Williams Podcast Hour can be found on both IG and Twitter at the Chris Will Pod and on Facebook, the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. Today's podcast is brought to you from our sponsor, Yes Pallets. Yes Pallets, the pallet removal, waste removal, and recycling removal company that places risk mitigation, OSHA compliance, and customer-obsessed service first. It can upscale at a moment's notice and remove barriers to provide you with a safe and clean work environment. On to the big show. I titled this The Big Show because of all the coaches I have met at St. Ed's and probably all the people I've ever met. Eric Flannery is the only person who has talked to me and never mentioned football or my past accomplishments at St. Ed's. And for me, that is the most refreshing thing because it doesn't to me seem like I'm just an athlete or a stereotype. Don't get me wrong. It's great to be remembered, but it's better to be liked as a person. And I think he likes me. Well, he, he smiles at me all the time, and I smile all the time also, so he might be laughing at me. But the fact he smiles and acknowledges me as a person, that's big time, and that is why he's part of the big show. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us. This is the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. You're coming with me, feel it or not, you're gonna fear it like I so to the spirit of God. You hear it a lot, lyrics the shock Is it a miracle or am I just product of pop? Listen up, but sizzle my whistle This is the plot, listen up You whistles for guys, slizzle does not give up Till the room comes off, till the lights go out Till my legs give out, can't shut my mouth Till the smoke clears out, and my eyes burn out I'ma rip this till my bones pull up Till the room comes off, till the lights go out Till my legs give out, can't shut my mouth Till the smoke Welcome back to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour, and today I have the big show. In 1996, St. Edward High School hired a young basketball coach who would go on to win over 400 games, become the 2007 Associated Press Ohio High School Coach of the Year, and in 1998 and in 2014, he led the Eagles to two state titles. He is a member of the USA basketball program and probably one of the first guys to give LeBron James his break in the game of basketball. He continues to carry on the winning tradition of a great St. Ed Eagles program and the winning tradition of the Flannery family. The best is yet to come. Please help me welcome to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour, the coach. Mr. Big Time, Coach Flannery. Coach Flannery, welcome to the podcast. Man, that's one heck of an introduction. I, you know, I, as you know, I have my own podcast, and I don't get that excited. So, so great job. People are going to expect a lot out of me when they're listening to this. So the pressure is now on. I appreciate that. 
<laughs> well, thank you for coming on. Uh, again, this is the, you know, thank you for coming on the Chris Williams Podcast Hour, and I'm making this the big show. So <laughs> let's let's start here. So, Eric, I had your older brother Brian on previous podcast. So, uh, like you said, no pressure to perform, and and but you have to tell your your story better than he told his. And as <laughs> as I tell all my guests, the podcast doesn't work unless you share your stories and shamelessly plug yourself. Well, <laughs> first of all, again, um, I grew up living in my brother's shadow. Uh, no lie. Obviously, you know you know Brian well. And um, I grew up as as the youngest of eight, uh, you know, in Lakewood, uh, watching St. Ed's football, basketball games. Uh, My older brother, my oldest brother, Jim, uh, played in the late 70s at St. Ed's. And then obviously following Brian, who, you know, no pressure at all, being class president for four years here at St. Ed's and an all-state football player and getting a scholarship to Notre Dame and, Obviously, he graduates in 1986, and I come in as this little puny freshman in 1987 and uh, living up to a lot of expectations. So the old, you know, Coach Urbis, you know, wanting me to play defensive tackle at 5'10 and 140 pounds and uh, all of that expectation of being a great football player and uh, doing those types of things. So, I, you know, I know what it's like to kind of follow in somebody's footsteps and to try to live up to a lot of expectations. But the reality is, Chris, it was even from a young age, um, St. Ed's and the tradition here has always kind of been in my blood, you know, watching my older brothers. And I'm sure, as my brother Brian said, my father was a one of the first uh, graduating classes, uh, class of 56 at St. Ed's. So, the St. Ed's blood and the green and gold was has always been through me and something that I've always admired watching. And I know you don't like to talk about your past, but you're definitely one of one of the guys that, uh, you know, the Chris Williams, the Chris Mobley, and the Danny Andrews, those were the running backs that I grew up with admiring and watching. And just the work ethic and the, the pure finesse that you guys played with in football was something that I always admired and, and, and kind of like the idols that you look up to as a little kid uh, and how successful they were. So that's kind of where my, my background began with St. Ed's, uh, just growing up as a, a St. Ed's family, uh, wanting to be a big part of that. And uh, But I, I kind of found my desire and my love and my passion with basketball. I I was the kid that from day you know five years old, six years old, was in my backyard shooting hoops, uh, we had a light in the backyard, uh, a driveway that uh, was big enough that you could play some games on and get a lot of shots up. And uh, I would literally spend four, five, six hours a day just shooting hoops in my backyard growing up and watching my older brothers play and then playing against them as I got older. Uh, and that's where I fell in love with the game. So when I got here to St. Ed's, I was a three-sport athlete, played football, basketball, and baseball. Uh, after freshman in JV football, I realized uh, I wasn't going to be my brother Brian. Uh, I would rather go watch him play football games at Notre Dame than, than actually play here at St. Ed's and kind of put my focus into basketball. And, um, you know, had a decent career here at, at St. Ed's, was a member of the first ever district championship back in 1988, 89, um, with a great team. So it took the school 
almost 50 years to win its first district championship. So I'm a very proud member and a player of, of that team with guys like, uh, you know, Rick Sabeck, Eric Saunders, and, and Pat Campbell, and Dennis Hanna, and it was a great group of guys. Um, so that's where St. Ed's basketball was, as I'm sure you can recall. There, it wasn't much of a history and wasn't much of, uh, you know, everything was wrestling and, and basketball, and or I'm sorry, wrestling, football, and hockey. And uh, just to be a part of that district championship back in the day was something extremely special for me. And that just kind of grew my love and my passion for, for the game. So went away to play basketball at a small school called Penn State Barron out of St. Ed's. I uh, was there for about a month was in love with my high school sweetheart, Lori Zooks, who was at Magnificat. And uh, I came back. I was homesick, um, decided at that point that I was either going to transfer to John Carroll and play hoops or just kind of see how things played out. And uh, Mike Kearns, who was my high school coach, it was still here at St. Ed's. He offered me a position to help out coaching on the assistant freshman uh, staff. I, I took that up right away and Believe it or not, I fell in love with coaching almost instantly. I just kind of thought, like, this is something that I would love to do. I decided at that point to kind of give up playing basketball and, and, and to just focus my attention on coaching. Enrolled at Cleveland State. And so for the next five years, I was uh, getting my degree at Cleveland State. I was working in some steel mills downtown, uh, Cleveland Oak Belting. I worked in, in there for five years full time, uh, cutting brake shoes and doing all that stuff. And then I was coaching basketball here at St. Ed's and, and actually picked up, I was the JV baseball coach for five years uh, while I was going to school as well. So that's where I got into coaching. Um, the, the four or five years there that I was at Cleveland State, we actually had four different head coaches in that time span uh, here at St. Ed's. Uh, I w- was an assistant the, the whole time as those coaching changes were, were happening. And it just so happened that uh, the year I graduated from Cleveland State, the job opened up once again uh, here at St. Ed's. And uh, a young principal at the time, Jim Kubaki, uh, who is now the president of our school many years later, uh, took a chance on me back then. And uh, at 24 years old, I got the head job. And it was my dream job there to obviously be the head coach of St. Ed's. But the biggest, uh, the biggest thing, and I think one of the main reasons why I got the job was because I was a St. Ed's guy, and um, I wanted to be here for a long time, and, and they just wanted some stability in the program, and, and I think I, I brought that as a possibility, and, and uh, here I am 25 years later, uh, still the head coach, sitting in my office, uh, kind of wondering what the, you know, where, where did all the time go, and how the heck did that all happen? <laughs> Talk about stability, 25 years, that, that's incredible. First of all, I look at you and I'm thinking they you barely you look barely 25. So <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. You've worn that well. I want to go back. So being the youngest of eight, talk about the development of your competitive nature. Being the youngest and and pretty much having to fight. I know they're a little older, but you know you you had to fight for a lot of stuff. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a great point. I think something that maybe people don't talk about enough, especially in today's day and age, because you don't see those big families anymore. And um, being the youngest of eight presented, uh, as, as all my brothers and sisters would tell you, probably that I was the spoiled brat of the family, because <laughs> at that point in time, I think my mom and dad 
just gave up on on trying to raise you know kids they <laughs> all the rules were out the window uh, at that stage but to your point i think it really kind of produced who i am i mean uh, i had four older sisters who were tough as nails who who played sports um who probably beat me up just as much as my brothers did and, and shaped me just as much as they did and you know my oldest brother jim who is now and has been a longtime assistant coach with me here at St. Ed's, um, there's only 11 years difference. He's 11 years older than I am, so there's eight kids within 11 years. And so you can, you know, that just points to the, you know, obviously the closeness in age, but the the closeness and and guys kind of, you know, growing up together and beating up each other. And uh, when Jim was in college, I was still in grade school, but we developed a great relationship. And when he'd come home from college or, you know, even when he graduated from college, I was in high school. So we would have the, you know, the one-on-one games in the backyard and played, you know, baseball games in the front yard. And then when Brian would come home and he was the big bully from from Notre Dame, he would just come and, and beat us all up in the backyard, you know. Uh, but I grew up like a lot of kids in our generation. I grew up with playing probably eight to ten hours a day in my own yard or in the neighbor's yard, uh, playing those neighborhood pickup games and uh, playing with my older brothers and sisters, whatever it was, whether it was playing sports or whether it was playing capture the flag or whatever. Uh, And then I would spend, as I got into high school and and into college, I would spend most of my time uh, going up to Rocky River and uh, they used to call it the old KBA or, or RBA where, where guys would go and play pickup basketball for four or five hours every single day. And you don't see that anymore. And, and I really believe that that's where I kind of developed, um, I don't know if you want to call it toughness, but my competitiveness to simply just want to try to, you know, outdo everybody else and outwork everybody else because when you're the youngest of eight, that's what you have to do. You know, you, you get the scraps at the table. You, you have to fight for every little thing that you get. Uh, I spent a lot of time watching them play and wanting to be in those big games uh, and then finally getting to a certain age where you're able to compete at that level. Uh, that's how I was raised, and I think a lot of that still is instilled in me to try to just prove people wrong, um, to try to keep outworking everybody else, and I'm sure that has a lot to do with the success that, that I have had here at St. Ed's. Okay, okay. And now, share with me one of the greatest family memories that you have. Like, what if you're just sitting there and you're just sitting by yourself and you're thinking about family and the times you've had, is there one memory that sticks out that just, you know, it's like, oh, man, this is why this is why it's so great to be part of the Flannery family? I don't, you know what, that's a great question. And I don't think there is, um, and I think this speaks to why it is such a great um, family to be a part of, because to me, there are so many memories, right? And I think it's mostly when I look back at, at my younger days, just being around so many people all the time and being in a, a family where we could go and beat the heck out of each other during the day and, and compete and play sports and then come home and have dinner together and bust each other's chops and, and get along and they're helping you out, do your homework or, or taking care of you uh, in a lot of other ways. So there are so many little instances that I think that happened along the way that, you know, kind of define who we are, maybe going to Notre Dame football games, you know, and, and, and being a family going there or, 
you know, just look at Christmas when there's, you know, 70 people at, 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 at your Christmas gathering, and it's just immediate family with all the brothers, sisters, and their kids and everything else nowadays. Uh, it really just speaks volumes of what a family is all about and how we love each other to death, but we can also be our biggest critics with each other. Uh, we can help each other out, but also, you know, tear each other down and fight each other. And I think that describes uh, uh, what the Flannery family is all about, um, you know, trying to push each other to do the best that we can uh, and help each other out. So there's never really one moment I can think of, you know, if you talk about sports, I got sports moments. If you think about, you know, going to church on Sundays, those moments, you think about uh, each one of my brothers and sisters and moments that they may have had, both good and bad, those things just all pop into my head. So it's really hard to just describe one little moment. That's awesome. That's a great answer. So. <laughs> Appreciate it. Speaking of family, St. Ed's. So St. Ed's is, is just a part of your family is probably anything else in your life, right? Yep. yep. So you've been there, and you've been there forever. So um, what was it like being a student? So, and, and, I, and I ask you this so that students that are there, that are there now, Sure. And students that are going to come there in the future, they can have an idea what this thing is like because it, it's the St. Ed's family, it's hard to explain. So in your words, what was it like the days you were attending as a student? Well, I can tell you this, Chris, and again, just being here for so long, is it was different, right? It it's definitely has changed. And, and um, my experience is probably different than, than the kids today. And obviously my sons have gone through here now and um, – you know, being a teacher here for so long, I have seen the change, and a lot of changes that I'm talking about is is physical change. Obviously, the buildings change, the um, teachers have changed, so there's been a lot of change over since I've been here. But going back to the late '80s, when when you and I were students, and when I was here, um, I really always felt like it was more of a what I would call the blue collar, um, lunch pail, um, go to go to class, go to work. Um, nothing was really fancy here. Um, you had the old cafeteria. You had the old classrooms. We had the Brothers of the Holy Cross back then, uh, a lot more than obviously are here today. Um, so you felt the discipline in the air. Uh, you felt the camaraderie of, of almost like that brotherhood. And again, me being raised as a St. Ed's uh, family and, and always wanting to be here, I always just felt a great connection with the school and the people here. So there was always that feeling of just kind of, hey, these are my brothers, these are my friends. Um, we're going to outwork other people. We're going to kind of, you know, there might be other schools and other places where, you know, they have more money than we did or they were more, you know, fancy or whatever, but we are, we're, we're kind of the tough kid on the block. And, and I always felt like that was kind of our mentality and the way we kind of went through school. And I respected all the teachers that we had here. Uh, we had some great ones back in the day, and uh, the brothers were obviously, like I mentioned, um, kind of just had that air of discipline and and respect that we had for those guys when they were here in the building. Um, a lot of people don't remember that the Brothers of the Holy Cross used to live here, you know, where the chapel mm -hmm. is now. We had the old, you know, Brothers Hotel or whatever it was called when, you know, they used to live on campus and, and how they would just kind of walk back and forth from their homes. Um, just a different mystique about it, and, and it definitely had that aura to me of just kind of that blue-collar, let's go to work, um, kind of put your head down type mentality. And I think that showed in a lot of the 
extracurriculars and sports that we had back in the day. And I think that still resonates today with, with a lot of who we are as a, as a community here at St. Ed's. Okay, that's awesome. So you saw the physical change, but you still see that blue-collar, um, take-nothing-for-granted type attitude in the students today. So that's, that's awesome. All right. All right, so you played basketball at St. Ed's. You're coaching now. So you have to give me a scouting report on Eric Flannery, the player. <laughs> Man, that guy was awesome. That guy. <laughs> well, I honestly well, don't know, Chris. Like today, uh, and I have mentioned this before, I'm not sure I would have played much uh, on the teams that we have now today. Um, I was – but I, but I will say this, and, and anybody that ever saw me play back in the day, if, if, if they listen or whatever, is uh, I could shoot the heck out of it. And still to this day, I still think I can outshoot um, 99% of my players that have ever played for me. So going back to my growing up days in the backyard, um, all of that repetition of, of shooting, 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 which I don't think kids do enough today of um, that still comes up, and and um, so back in the day, I was the you know the five eleven uh, two guard that could shoot the heck out of it, that could run the point a little bit, had the Flannery feet, so I was a little slow of foot. Um, so we played a lot of zone defense when I was here. Um, I like I mentioned before, I was on the first ever district championship team, so I started as a junior. So I only averaged about two points a game as a junior because I had studs around me. My senior year, they all left. I averaged about 20 a game my senior year, so I could play. Um, but we weren't very good. So uh, I was a scorer. I had a scorer's mentality. Uh, I could shoot the ball. But if you were to put me on today's you know, teams of the last you know, 15 or 20 years, I would probably be a role player that either you know, started or came off the bench and was – was just there to knock down some threes, and, and that was about it. So th- that's the brief scouting report of, of Eric Flannery back in the day. Okay, not bad, not bad. Hey, listen, <laughs> and you, as you well know, you can make millions of dollars yep. with that scouting report. So. <laughs> darn right, darn right. <laughs> not bad, not bad, not bad. That's so true. All right. So talk a little bit a little bit more about your journey to become one of the best coaches in Ohio high school history. And and I hopefully you don't take it for granted. But every time you turn on those lights and go into the gym, what what are you thinking about? Um and I know you talked about how you got started, but talk about those first few years. Like in 96 you're named the coach um at St. Ed's and then where we are today. Hi. Talk about how we progressed to this point. Well, first of all, thank you for, for complimenting me. I think one of the things that um, I'm sure someday, and, and I'm not going to lie, I mean, obviously um, I've been here 25 years now, so I do understand um, that I've been extremely um, fortunate, um, right time, right place when I was a young a young coach trying to get the head job. Um, so part of it is luck, being in the right place in the right time. The biggest part is obviously having, first and foremost, great help around you. So I've had some of the best assistance that anybody could ask for, uh, you know, starting with my brother Jim, who's been with me for the last 15 years, and 
Um, guys like Delvon Blanton, who's had two stud sons that have played for us here, um, going through former players, uh, a lot of St. Ed's guys. Pete Campbell was a St. Ed's grad. Uh, Pete Lakovic, who played for me and, and um, is on my staff. You know, Danny Gallagher, TJ Gallagher, former managers of mine. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. Steve Lepore is coaching in college now, who's, uh, you know, coach with me. I've just been really, really fortunate to have great help, right? So that it starts with that. You've got to surround yourself with great people. And, and the biggest thing I can say about that, if there's any young coaches out there or people, um, the X's and O's are great. Um, people that are knowledgeable is definitely important. But you have to have people around you that you trust. And you have to have people around you that you get along with um, outside of basketball. And you can't have yes people around you either. You know, you have to have people that if you trust them, you know, you, you have to be able to listen to them. And if they disagree with you or tell you other things, you have to be able to listen to that. And, um, that, you know, that's what I think we've done here is, you know, we've surrounded ourselves with, with people that we get along with, that we trust each other, and, and that goes a long way. And I think that shows – to the families that come here, to the players, when they see that their coaches respect each other and get along with each other, uh, that goes a long way. And then, obviously, you have to have great bosses and, and a great administration. And, and Jim Kubaki, like I said, took a chance on me way back when um, as a young coach. <clears throat> he was the principal at the time. He left here for a few years and came back as the president. So having that type of leadership and somebody that um, trusts me and, and has given me you know, kind of complete reign here for the basketball program, that that goes a long way. And I know I'm spoiled that way because not every coach or school has that type of leadership or, or that type of connection with their bosses. And, and that's really why, and I think where the longevity has come in for me is being in a place where I feel wanted and in a place that uh, I know that they appreciate what we've done here. And as you know, Chris, you can't win <laughs> anything without – kids and, and great players right and I've been extremely fortunate to have some All-Americans um, some great great college basketball players who have had a ton of talent uh, over the last 20 or 25 years but the reality is there's more to it there's there's kids that have gone through here that have had talent um, but they are great people and and they've had great um, runs here as as their personalities um, They've got it done here academically first. Uh, they're great kids off the court. And I think one of the things that I've learned over the coaching, over coaching for so many years is, you know, that's kind of what we've been about. I, I want and I have always wanted um, players and families here because they want to be here, not because I'm out there promising them stuff or, or you know, we use the word recruiting and, I know that's kind of a, a bad word or a buzzword, but it's it's reality. I mean, we have to we have to stay open as a school, so we have to convince people at times what we have and the great coaching and teachers that we have here, and you know that's part of getting people to come here and pay tuition, right? So uh, there is part of that that goes on. But as I tell every family that comes here, I want you to come here because you want to be here, not because I do. And I think that message has resonated. I'm sure we've lost a lot of kids that have gone to other schools because they wanted something guaranteed or something promised and they wanted to play varsity as a freshman or, or whatever. And, and our motto has always been you got to earn what you get here. And, and um, I think that's why we've been 
successful because even the if we've had lesser talent at times, those kids have uh, worked for everything that they've gotten. Um, they haven't taken anything for granted. Uh, they want to be part of this program, um, and, and I think that breeds a lot of success uh, with what we've had. So, over the last 25 years, I, I again, I've you know not to. I know you you told me that I, I've got to be a little bit um, bragging, and if I haven't already, but. I mean, I'm, pr- I'm the youngest coach to ever coach the McDonald's All-American game, and, and that, that mm-hmm. brings me a ton of pride to be able to, in 2010, uh, as, as a young kid, I think we all dream about being McDonald's All-Americans. I dreamed about coaching the McDonald's All-American game, and I got that opportunity in 2010, and, and I had my brother Jim as an assistant sitting right beside me, which was a, a dream come true. And coaching USA basketball. I mean, you mentioned, you know, LeBron James. He was on the first group I ever coached in 2001 with USA basketball. And I have since won three gold medals with, with them traveling all over the world. I mean, who would have thought, you know, I've been to Dubai, I've been to Uruguay, I've been to Argentina, I've been to Brazil, I've been to, you know, different parts of the world that I never, ever even imagined that I would be uh, going to, and I've been able to travel the world with USA Basketball, and and I'm continuing and have been continuing to coach with them. So I, I've been living like this dream outside. It's almost like an out-of-body experience that I can't believe that I have achieved or, or been a part of all of these things that you wouldn't think just a, a high school coach from the city of Lakewood who grew up in, you know, St. James and and all of that stuff, I still look at myself as that kid. I still look at myself as that person. I, 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 when people bring up those accolades and things that I, I have done, it's awesome. I'm very proud of it. But it doesn't define me necessarily. What defines me, I think, is, is just making sure I came to work today and, and we're going to try and get better. And I'm very disappointed about our loss a, a week ago, you know, in the state tournament. And uh, it's still irking me today. And now I'm just trying to make sure that my seniors are taken care of and, and moving on to college, and, and I'm going to move on to, to trying to make our team better and, and, and you know for next year. And uh, that's the way I look at myself is you know kind of the old Coach Urbis mentality of you know when you look at a guy like that you know who's walking these halls after 50 years of being a legend in wrestling and coaching and football and all of that stuff, you know how can I brag about myself? You know, the, you, you see humble people around you every single day just doing their jobs. And that's really what I want to, you know, end up being remembered for is, is somebody that, yes, we had a lot of success here, but it was because of the hard work that, that we did every single day. Okay. All right. Now, what's the one thing you wish you had known when you began your coaching career? Man, that's a that's – a, um, I have to think about that, so I'd probably give a wrong answer, and maybe like if I, you know, two weeks from now I'll come back and say, hey, Chris, this is what I uh, wish I – but I think um, if I had known a little bit more about just being myself right from the beginning, and I try to give this advice to a lot of coaches today, is my first four or five years here at St. Ed's, even as a head coach, I was trying to be somebody or something I wasn't. You know, you you look at like, hey, I should be like Bobby Knight. I should be a screamer and a yeller, or I should be, you know, like this coach that I had back in the day because that coach was successful. And then you realize, you know what, that's not working. And kids can kind of see through if it's not real. And after about five or six years of coaching, I, I came to a point in a crossroads in my career where I just said, 
I need to start being me. You know, just be comfortable in your own skin and, and just kind of be who you are. And if they don't like it, then, then that's on them. At least I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win or lose doing it my way. And uh, I did that about 20 years ago and, and kind of had that mentality. And I just wish I may have, have known that sooner. Um, but it's definitely advice that I try to pass down to other coaches. Okay. Okay. Now, do a lot of coaches step to you for advice? I mean, I, there's, with winning, you know, it, yep. it breeds winning. So do other coaches, yep. are they always, hey, Eric, help me with this? How, how does that work, especially if you know you're competing against someone? Yeah, to be honest, Chris, I, I think it's one of the things I take the most pride in, and I'm actually that probably gives me as as much as you know the the greatest thing of a coach. And, and as we know, as coaches, and the longer I do it, you appreciate it, right? Is when former players come back, right? And they come back just for advice. Uh, they come back just to say hi. Uh, they send a text. They send a, a phone call. As a matter, Matt Schaefer, who was a former player of mine, graduated and. The early 2000s just came in my office this morning, just kind of out of the blue. Just wanted to stop in, brought me a coffee, and, and sat down. We, we talked for 45 minutes. You know, that's one of the greatest feelings as a, as a coach is just to have guys that you have had an impact on at some level that just come back and, and they just feel comfortable enough talking to you and asking for advice. The second best thing that I've learned as, later on is, is other coaches that reach out, for, reach out to you for advice, whether it's X's and O's, whether it's philosophy, whatever it is. And I'll be honest with you, um, it's becoming more and more, and I really relish it, and I really appreciate it. Um, there have been coaches, and I think the USA thing, the USA coaching has really probably broadened that more than anything because I'll get coaches from, you know, other states that will see my name or, you know, I've done a couple of those championship videos, you know, those clinics or whatever. And so I got it, okay. you know, you have a couple of videos out and people watch that and they'll, they'll reach out. But I would say, you know, locally too, um, I've talked to, uh, you know, every year there's probably up to 10 or 15 coaches that just reach out and we either in, and, and my thing is always like, I'm an open book. I'm not here to hide anything from anybody. Uh, I love helping other coaches because it's our profession and I want it to continue to grow and prosper and do that. So I really do enjoy talking to other coaches and, and, and also learning from them. You know, when they come in here, I may ask them as many questions as they ask me because I want to just continue to learn and adapt. And uh, it's been one of my, as, as I've been coaching longer and longer, Chris, it's been one of my pleasures in coaching is when other coaches have reached out and, and just to sit down and talk to them. And it's been one of the, it's been a, you know, a really good feeling for me. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Now state championships in 98 and 2014. What do you remember the most from those years? And does anything stand out more than others? <laughs> well, hey, listen, I, I take a lot of pride in we've been to the Final Four 11 times, which is the most oh, in any man. Division One school um, in history. So Amazing. I take a lot of pride in just being able to, you know, being a head coach for 25 years and being down there 11 times says a lot about our program, right? So we've had a lot of success. Only winning it twice is definitely something that I feel like I should have a couple more but I also understand at Division One here in Ohio, 
it's one of the hardest things to win, and you see it every year. I mean, Mentor this year was 25-0, and 0, was probably the best team in the state, and they lost in the Final Four. Uh, we have had you know, better teams that have not won a state championship. I always bring up that 1997, that team it was better than the 98 team, but the 98 team won the state championship. Um, in 2007 and 2008, uh, those two those two years might have been two of the most talented, deepest teams we ever had, and neither one of those teams won a state championship. Um, so the wins in 98 and 2014 definitely stand out. Obviously, in 98, I was 25 years old. It was my first time ever, ever winning it. Um, that, you know, I can remember that almost like it was yesterday. Um, definitely take a lot of pride in that. Uh, the only problem that you know, it presented for me is we went to the final four in 96, 97 and one at 98. I thought it was going to be that easy. <laughs> you know, here I am, oh, wow. you know, young and naive, like, Hey, we're going to do this every year. And, and then I think 99, 2000 and 2001 were, were three of my worst years coaching. So, uh, it humbles you very fast, but 98 was awesome. I mean, Sam Clancy, Steve Lapore, Steve Logan, three of the best players that have ever played here at St. Ed's, um, Pete Lakovic, Keith Wayne, Tim Smith, Jaquan Miles. I mean, I can go right, right up and down the roster of, of great guys, uh, great athletes. Uh, beating St. Ignatius in the state championship that year um, added to a, a ton of pressure to win it, um, but also brought me a lot more satisfaction after we won it. So, so yes, to answer your question, in 98, um, definitely had a lot of memories. Uh, beating Ignatius, I think, was probably the biggest memory from that year because we had to do it in the state championship and, and to win our first one. And then 2014, anybody that follows St. Ed's basketball knows what a crazy uh, finish that was and what an unbelievable game that was. Uh, Marsalis Hamilton hit a three-pointer at the buzzer to send it into overtime against Upper Arlington. It was kind of a miracle shot that he made. Um, and then we ended up kind of changing the pace in overtime and beating up Arlington in overtime. Um, and again, another game that I rem- remember, you know, certain plays and, and, and the way that game felt. I had my son, Sean, my oldest, was a sophomore that dressed on that team. So, you know, winning a state championship with your son on the team is, is a memory that uh, nobody could ever take take back from me. And um, just just such great pride and joy f- from winning those things. And uh, to be honest with you, Chris, obviously bringing up great memories, but I, I probably remember a lot of the losses just as much. And uh, people don't make it in 2015, the year after we won the state championship. Um, Kipper Nichols had a three-pointer at the exact same spot that Marsalis Hamilton hit it the year before in Columbus in the Final Four, and Kipper was wide open where Marsalis was double-teamed and hit it. Kipper was wide open and missed the three with three seconds left in the game. And that was to win the game. So we could have won a back-to-back state championships. And my point about that is sometimes the ball goes in, sometimes it doesn't, right? And people remember the state championship. They don't remember that we lost in the final four the year after and, and had pretty much the same you know, look and, and all of those things. So I remember those missed shots just <laughs> – probably more than the ones that we made over the of the course of my career. Okay. And I, I was actually going to ask you, what was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Well, my biggest failure was way back when I was coaching um, 
to start, right? So back in 96, 7, and 8, like I mentioned, we had so much success and early success as a, as a high school coach that I really did uh, probably think I was a lot better than I was and was probably cocky and figured, hey, I'm going to do this all the time. And then 99, we had um, – I think we were seven and fourteen that year and lost in the first round of the of the state tournament. And um, believe it or not, that's the only losing season we've ever had here since I've been here, and the only time we haven't been to the district championship, um, which is which is pretty awesome. But I learned that year and the years after. So literally, 1999 to 2001. Uh, were probably the hardest years I ever had coaching because we weren't winning. We probably didn't have as much talent as we had previously, and I probably took a lot of it for granted. I probably didn't work as hard. Uh, I probably thought it was going to come a lot easier. I got frustrated with, you know, maybe coaches and players. And to be honest with you, Chris, I was ready to get out of it. Um, And then just at some point, uh, I believe it or not, I got asked – way back then in 2001 to um, help out with USA Basketball, and that's how I got started there. And it was just kind of a fluke thing that um, somebody I had known was a part of a committee with USA Basketball, and uh, they just asked me if I'd be interested in in going out there and and being a part of it. And 20 years ago, nobody knew what USA Basketball was. It It wasn't really as big, you know, not even close to what it is today. Uh, mm-hmm. But that kind of saved my coaching career. It kind of got me rejuvenated. Uh, I met a lot of coaches from around the country that year. Uh, it made me realize everything I didn't know about coaching, so I learned a ton. And um, that kind of turned it around for me. And, and I kind of, when I talk about going into my own skin a little bit and trying not to be somebody else, all of that happened in that, that kind of span of 2000, 2001. And that really changed my entire um, coaching outlook. Okay. All right. All right. So I have to bring up something that we haven't – we've had similar experiences. So, And I heard you tell this story on another podcast, but you told a story about how some boosters pretty much trapped you in a room and told you to win or else. So when I I first heard that story, it brought back some bad memories when I was an assistant coach at St. Ed's under Coach McQuaid, and I remember, you know, we were we had a lot of talent. We just, you know, we couldn't get past eight wins for some reason. But, and I remember these boosters approached me, and I'm like, I'm not even the head coach, so don't come to me with that mess. But it, it ruined me and, and my like for coaching. And I didn't have a love, but I had a nice like for it. And had I not experienced that, I might have been coaching today still. But... So what did you do to overcome that encounter and handle it? So, you know, we're talking about you now and and your success. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. And I think you pretty much defined um, neither one of us being right or wrong in our response, but kind of how I approached it. And and to your point, just so if if people are listening or hearing this for the first time, back in and this was 2001, so you're you're kind of you're kind of bringing all this together for me when I talk about when I changed as a coach and when I realized um, what I needed to do. A lot of it stemmed from that conversation that you're talking about. And that year, I was actually 
not only the head basketball coach, but I was the interim AD here at St. Ed's. So I was AD for one year, just kind of filling in um, in between um, two people that they had. And two boosters came into my office and, and basically sat me down. And like I said, after winning, you know, 96, 97, 98, we struggled in 99, 2000, and 2001. To your point, they brought me in and said basically, hey, you know, Eric, we, we handed you this awesome program and all this success, and and you got that, you know, those first couple of years, but now you've kind of ruined it. Uh, you know, you're not winning anymore and um, you're not doing, you know, you, you got to start bringing in better players and you got to start winning. And I literally just took that as, you know, my conversation to those two gentlemen are, was, was pretty simple. I sat at my desk, I heard what they had to say. And I just, I just said this, I said, listen, next year we're going to beat Ignatius twice and, and I'm going to win a district championship. And if that's not good enough for you guys as the boosters here, then I don't want to be here. Because to me, that's, you know, that's success, at least on the court. You know, we're not going to get into, because these are, these are boosters, we're not going to talk about all the other stuff that we do that's you know, making an impact on these kids and that type of stuff. But they wanted the wins and losses. So I just said, you know, I'm going to beat Ignatius twice, and uh, we're going to win a district championship. And they turned to me, and to their credit, they said, if you do that, you, we will never bother you again because there's no way you're going to do that. Like you don't have the talent. And so sure enough that year, you know, I, I had this in the back of my head, but to be honest, Chris, that's what motivated me. I wanted to prove these guys wrong. Maybe brings back the fact of me being the youngest of eight that I just wanted to prove my, you know, adult brothers and sisters wrong and I'm going to show you. And so that following season, we, we ended up, uh, you know, to make a long story short, uh, we ended up splitting with Ignatius during the season. We beat him once here, and they lost to him over there. Um, we go to the state tournament, and we, we were losing by 11 going into the fourth quarter of our first tournament game to Avon Lake. And we came back and won that game. So we were almost out of the tournament in the first game. We came back and won that. Uh, we played Lakewood in the district championship, who beat us during the season. We beat them in double overtime. <laughs> we played Ignatius at Gundarina. If people remember when LeBron was in high school, it was that year. So we sold out Gundarina. So here we are playing Ignatius again, and we beat them. So now I, I got my promise of I won a district championship. <laughs> uh, we beat Ignatius twice. We then traveled to Toledo St. John's and played them in the regional championship that year. They were 25-0. and 0. They were the number one team in the state. They literally beat us by exactly 30 during the season at their place. And Neil Fronapple hit a shot uh, at the buzzer to beat them. So we beat the number one team in the state to go to the – so I took the team to the Final Four, uh, made my promises, and to those boosters' credit, ever since then I have not heard one word from them. So <laughs> that, that was my come, you know, kind of save my career – this is the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my way. Uh, believe in yourself. Uh, believe in the kids that you have. And, um, you know, that kind of turned, turned my whole career around. And it's a shame that it had to, to come to that. But that's the reality, I think, of, you know, what we live in today, Chris, with coaching and all of this stuff is people think that, you know, it's about just winning and losing. And some people think they have a bigger say than they really do. And, um, you just have to stick to your guns and be who you are. Okay. All right. So, so with you saying that, 
describe or share your coaching philosophy and also a little bit of how you developed it. I'm sure that was all part of it. Yeah, you know, my co- I don't, you know, I don't want to disrespect you and say I hate that question, but I, <laughs> I think, you know, you're, because here's my answer about coaching philosophy. I, I, and I sincerely believe this. I, I believe that your coaching philosophy needs to change. You need to adapt every single year. You need to change with the times, and you need to be um, genuine to who you are. Um, but you have to change based on what you have. Uh, and that could mean something like facilities. That could mean um, coaching staff. That could mean the talent level that you have. It could mean a lot of different things. And I just think having a philosophy is doing yourself and your team always a disservice. So I guess you could say that my coaching philosophy is ever-changing. I think it's something that kind of what we have talked about along the lines of this podcast, it's, it's about making sure that you surround yourself with great people and that you kind of keep things into perspective. If you're worried about wins and losses, you're not going to get wins and losses. If that's your end game, then you're going to be in trouble. You know, you have to make sure that you take care of the day-to-day. The old saying about be where your feet are, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm sitting in my office, I'm talking to Chris Williams on, on one of the greatest podcasts ever, right? <laughs> I've got to live that moment and I've got to, you know, take advantage of this and, and do the best I can today. And, and that's really all my philosophy has been is, you know, one step in front of the other, take care of where you're at today, take care of the people that are around you, uh, and just continue to try to get better. So I am not the same coach I was 25 years ago. And a lot of that is, you know, X's and O's. A lot of that is how I treat my coaches. A lot of that's how I treat my players. And that's all about just changing and evolving with the times and evolving with technology and, and everything else. So, you know, I guess to sum it up, you, I answered your question, right? My, my philosophy is, you know, kind of an ever-changing uh, philosophy that I think you need to continue to adapt to, mm-hmm. you know, wherever you're at, okay. if that makes sense. All right. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. And, and just having St. Ed's as part of your life for so long, describe your feelings and the importance of being able to win it all at St. Ed's and have your success. Well, it means everything. It goes back to family. I mean, you can, you can talk about family, you can mention it, you can say it all you want, but it doesn't mean anything until you live it. And going back to my upbringing about being a St. Ed's person and a St. Ed's family from my dad being here to my uncles, to my older brothers, to be able to be the head coach here in any sport, but for me it's basketball, and to be able to teach here for 25 years and, and be a part of the fabric that has raised, you know, my two sons went here, um, multiple, too many to mention of, of nephews and <laughs> whatever that have gone through here. But to be a part of that, that's living your family, and that's living your blood family. But to, to, to be able to share that with people from all backgrounds, that, that people that have lived and grown up, grown up in Lakewood and on the west side of Westlake and Avon and Avon Lake, and now we're expanding down to Strongsville and, and whatever, and, and exploring the east side of getting kids from different cities, from Euclid to Menor to Cleveland to whatever that are coming here and to – to be able to share that with people that are rich and people that are poor and the middle class and mm-hmm. the black and the white and the Asian and all that, you know, to be able to do all this 
And to do this here at St. Ed's, that's the way I feel. I feel like I'm representing a community and I'm representing a family. And I think anybody that goes here and has gone through here and has been part of our basketball program, we talk about family, but I think most importantly we live family. And when you can win and when you can be successful and do it, you know, with family and people around you that you love and you cherish and, and you really enjoy being around, uh, that to me is... <laughs> is is the ideal complement what life is all about and i can you know sit here and say if i drop dead today or tomorrow i've had an extremely extremely fortunate run and ride and i wouldn't trade any of it the good the bad the ugly the whatever i wouldn't trade any of it for anything because i've been able to do it with my family and as a family and um i, I think that speaks volumes and and uh it just gives me so much pride to not just win, Chris, when, when you win it, but to everything I do. You know, when I go out to USA Basketball, to be able to see around the country that, you know, my name next to St. Edward High School representing the USA around the world gives me as much pride as anything I do, right? So just having St. Edward next to my name and being able to represent that in different aspects of, of what we do has been, you know, just a complete, complete joy for me. Okay. All right. That's awesome. All right. And did you ever envision the success that you've had and then what you've accomplished? Uh, no, but I've always dreamed, you know, let, let's, you know, just to – Every year I want to win a state championship, right? So mm -hmm. I dream every year that I'm going to win a state championship. I don't care what team I have. So I envision that we're going to have that success. Um, being the McDon like the youngest guy to ever coach the McDonald's All-American game, to me, I, that always kind of reflects me dreaming about what I want to do, right? And what I want, and I was able to accomplish that through whether it was just meeting the right people, making the right connections, whatever. Looking back, I think there's been so many things that we've accomplished here at St. Ed's that, no, 25 years ago I wouldn't have said, hey, I'm going to still be the head coach at St. Ed's 25 years from now, and I would have been coaching and winning gold medals and traveling the world and winning state. You know, No, I wouldn't have thought that that to be possible. Uh, but to sit here now and look back, um, I, I guess my answer is I just want to win more. <laughs> I want to win a couple more state titles. <laughs> and, you know, I want to continue to, to build upon what we've done here. So um, nice. you, you, you never really, and, and I think you know this from your experience as well, you never really get the chance to stop and think about what you've done, right? You just keep going. And mm -hmm. it's conversations like this that give me a chance to maybe stop and think about it. But once we hang up from this conversation, I'm, you know, going to go back to work and watch some film and do whatever. And, um, you know, you know that I've got to impress the next set of parents and I've got to make sure I'm keeping my current players happy and that type of stuff. So you kind of are always living in the moment. Got you. Got you. All right. And with that being said, and I did this to Coach Lombardo on a previous podcast, I'm going to put you on the spot. So if I'm the greatest basketball player in the state of Ohio right now and St. Ed's is, is one of the schools I want to consider, why should I come to St. Ed's to play basketball and 
be a student athlete? It's easy. I mean, you're coming to the best high school in the country, not just the state of Ohio, that you're going to receive an unbelievable education here at St. Ed's. We've got some of the greatest teachers. You know, with our IB program going here right now, not only do you, even if you're not an IB student, our teachers are trained in so many different ways that you are going to get an unbelievable education to start with. The faith-based Catholic education that we have here is second to none. To be able to, you know, go to school with guys that are like you, that want you to succeed. I tell people all the time, and I'm going to tell you as the greatest player here in the state of Ohio, is <laughs> it is cool to be good. It is cool to excel. It is cool to work out. It is cool to do your homework. We here at St. Ed's, not only the teachers and coaches, but the other students want you to succeed. So we want you to get a 4.0, and, and the other students here are going to push you to do the same. You know, we want you to get bigger and stronger in the weight room, and the other students are going to push you to do the same. You know, we want you to win here. Other students and players are going to push you to do the same. And if you want to play big-time college basketball or do whatever, um, our program speaks for itself. Obviously, the connections that we've made, if you deserve to play at North Carolina, you're going to play at North Carolina. And you're going to get everything out of what you put in when you come here to St. Ed's. And if you can find that anywhere else in the state of Ohio, um, good luck, but I don't think you're going to find a better place, uh, a better family, and people that are going to take care of you than you would here at St. Ed's. Love it. Love it. Except for the fact that you, you push North Carolina. <laughs> it was perfect. It was perfect. I'm still mad at you for helping Jawan Williams go to uh, Jawad go to Carolina. Oh, I still hold that against you. Well, hey, <laughs> but he had you a know, fantastic. You got to go with the right and, fit, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So I, I cheered for him. I can't lie. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate. It. Yeah, I know. Say that guy first, uh, right? Yes. 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 All right. Shameless plug time. So what makes you the greatest basketball coach in St. Ed's history and one of the best ever in the state of Ohio? Well, that's, that's easy because, first of all, I don't look at myself that way. But any success that I've had is simply, and, and we've talked about it here, right? I've had great people mm-hmm. around me, great assistant coaches, great administration, and great players. And I know that's cliche-ish, but that's true. And I think that's my success is built upon the shoulders of others. And, you know, you just have to recognize that, accept that, and, and go, go with that. And um, because I'm here at St. Ed's in this, this great institution, um, my success is built on, on their success. So that, that's it in a nutshell. Okay. All right. All right. Good answer. All right. So <laughs> I, I got one more. So uh-huh. quick, quick speed round. I need you to rank these five coaches, all right? First one is John Calipari, Jim Valvano, Mike Krzyzewski, Phil Jackson, and Eric Flannery. Well, Eric Flannery's fifth. Mike Krzyzewski's one. Phil Jackson is two. Valvano's three. And Calipari's four. (laughs) All right. And then we'll finally, we'll wrap this thing up with this. So plug your social media, plug your upcoming camps, and then also tell people how they can listen to your podcast. Yeah. 
This is ugly plug time. Man, here we go. If anybody is still listening to, to hear, first of all, the only social media I do is Twitter, which is at Coach Flan. So you can, if you really want to follow me, feel free. Uh, I don't really follow other people because I'm not a huge – I hate – you know, honest confession time, I hate looking at social media, right? I just, I just, I'm not a big fan, but I know I have to do it in order to stay up with the time. So I am at Coach Flan on Twitter. Uh, our basketball summer camps are coming up quickly, so June and July. You can go to SEHS.net for our, our website, and I think slash camps or summer camps, and you'll find all of our camps there. Another selfless plug that we are starting a what we call an alternative to AAU, I'm trying to get um, kind of an anti-AAU movement going with just working on skill work and playing and not traveling and spending all this money. So fourth through eighth graders, if you're a parent or somebody that has a fourth through eighth grade boy and would rather have them stay local and get some good coaching, um, you can register for that. Uh, And that's also on the SEHS website. Um, and then finally, Tim Smith, who's a 1998 grad, my nephew and a member of the 98 state championship team. Him and I are, as Chris mentioned, we, we host a podcast called Worthy of the Jersey, which was named after the book I wrote with Norm Weber. Uh, Worthy of the Jersey is a podcast that we've been doing for about four or five years now, maybe longer, I don't know. And uh, you can find that pretty much anywhere you go to find podcasts, whether it's iTunes or or what have you. So Tim knows more about that. But uh, if you like St. Ed's, if you like basketball, we do a lot of coaching stuff and, and uh, obviously a lot of St. Ed's things. Uh, but you can follow us or, or listen to us at Worthy of the Jersey. So appreciate that, Chris. No, no problem. Coach, this was awesome. Again, you know, you know, I told you before we came on here why this is special to me. So is there anything I didn't ask you or needed to mention that I didn't bring up? Absolutely not. I think you do a tremendous job. Um, I know you don't like to talk about the past a whole lot, but I do uh, need to just say that, um, and and I know I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but the respect I have for you, uh, and and I'm sure, I know this is probably a topic for a whole other podcast, but there are a lot of people that that, um, I talk to and give me a lot of credit for and helping, you know, young black kids come to St. Ed's through basketball, right? And I know, you know, you in the 80s and, and being, you are somebody that I always admired for, for being here, and I know it probably wasn't the easiest thing for you uh, to be a part of when you went through school here at St. Ed's. And I'm sure you have many, many stories that maybe we'll bring up on our podcast that worthy of the jersey, but... There's so many reasons I respect you, and, and being a great athlete is probably least of, of them, um, just who you are and, and how you represent yourself and how you have represented St. Ed's. And uh, the fact that you're doing this podcast really really makes me happy, too, when I, when I see all the guests that you have on and former St. Ed's people. So I just want to give you a lot of credit. I would probably have never told you, told you that, and, and uh, you are somebody that I've always kind of admired in a lot of other ways. So I wanted you to hear that from me. Well, thank you, Coach. That, that means a lot. 